Urinary tract infections. Have you had that burning urge to pee? Had to make trips to the doctor and then antibiotics again and again? Now imagine you can make the UTIs all stop. Utiva is a brand specialized in natural UTI prevention with science and doctor-backed products. Utiva's Urinary Tract Health Supplement is a unique cranberry extract with nine times more PACs, the active molecules that typically don't exist in most cranberry products, a once-a-day pill for your daily protection. Utiva also provides D-mannose, probiotics, UTI home-based test strips, and cleansing wipes. Join over 25,000 happy customers and start your UTI-free life. Learn more at UtivaHealth.com. That's U-T-I-V-A-Health.com and get 25% off your first order. Hi, I'm Andrea Donsky, founder of NaturallySavvy.com and co-host of our Naturally Savvy podcast. And I am Lisa Davis, MPH health educator, co-host of Naturally Savvy and author of the book, Cleaning and Dirty Sex Memoir Cookbook Healthy Lifestyle Guide. At Naturally Savvy, we are here to help you make healthier lifestyle choices. So we are so honored that you are tuning in to listen to our podcast on a weekly basis. And we are here to engage you, have fun, and help you live your healthiest lifestyle. Now, on to the show. Naturally Savvy Podcast is sponsored by Morphus for Menopause. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. My co-host Andrea is away today. We talk a lot on the show about self-care. And I'm usually when I do it, I'm usually thinking about adults. So I was so excited to get this wonderful book by Christy Hugstad, Be You Only Better, Real Life Self-Care for Young Adults and Everyone Else. Because I read the book, it's awesome and it does apply. But I do like the stories that she includes. And I think this is so important because what a crazy time for everyone, but I especially feel bad for the young people. So Christy, welcome back to Naturally Savvy. So great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. You know, my husband died by suicide and it became my mission to educate our young people about the warning signs and risk factors so that their stories don't end like my husband. That kind of thing needs to be taught young. But let's take it a step further and teach them how to take care of themselves so they don't suffer from anxiety and depression and don't want to be here. So that was really my motivating factor. Yeah, and I think that is absolutely huge. In your first book, Beneath the Surface, A Teen's Guide to Reaching Out When You or a Friend is in Crisis, I like that in the book you write. That provides straightforward information on the issues facing youth. Be You Only Better takes that resource a step further, outlining the day-to-day practices that promote physical, mental, and emotional health. These practices can help you become an architect of your body and mind, inspiring you to create a firm foundation and frame for the house that is your life. What a great way to put it. Well, thank you. But it is a really good analogy about building a strong foundation. And that way you will have the tools that will last forever for the rest of your life. It's so important. I mean, I didn't have, nobody talked about self-care when I was growing up. Never. That was ridiculous, (laughs) right? It's like, suck it up, be tough. Uh, So I really think that if our young people can implement these tools at an early age, they're life-saving. I completely agree. Well, I love the way you lay out the book because in each chapter, you, you start with a story. 
And then you talk about the benefits, you talk about the science, and then you have ways to help. And it's, it's so good. So you have the five types of self-care, physical, emotional, social, mental, and financial. And it was interesting because I hadn't thought about the financial. And then when I read the book, I'm like, oh, duh, of course. Well, and that's true for all of us. I did never thought about finances when I was younger. I, I still don't a lot of times. But it's so important to learn how to budget when you're really young. Because otherwise you end up, um, you know, as an adult and you have nothing in your savings. You have been using credit cards. You're in debt. And then you reach a point where you can't get out of debt because you've got so much interest that you're paying on your cards. So to avoid that, it's important to learn how to budget. And save whatever you can every month, even if it's $5. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, in the first chapter, write it down. You write, quote, when you write something down, you're able to see yourself and life as a witness. The act of writing is itself a learning process. Can you expand on that for us? Well, when you actually start journaling, you can actually see, you have a visual of your thoughts and what you are going through in life. And sometimes that act alone will change how you move forward. It'll change how you think, and it'll actually help you come up with an action plan. Because if you let it just ruminate over and over in your mind, it doesn't escape. It's just It just stays there and causes anxiety. So it's a real good practice to write it down so you can take a look at it. And what I found too is that you know, I started journaling. That became my first book. But I did it just so that I could get a grasp of what was going on because I felt so out of control. And when I looked back six months later, I was so shocked at how far I had actually come. So I think it's also an important tool for maybe a year from now when you look back and think, wow, I remember feeling that way, but I'm not in that space anymore. Talk to us about journaling prompts. At the end of each chapter, I like to actually tell you how to get started. Because for me, if somebody said, you need to get adequate sleep, you need to journal, you need to be mindful, you need to be grateful, that's great. A lot of us have been told that time and time again, but tell me how to get started. Don't just throw information and tell me to do something. I don't respond well to that, and I know young people don't either. So in the book, it was a way to get started in journaling because that's a tough ask. So a prompt is just, here are some questions to ask yourself and then write down the answers. Like, what are you feeling in this very moment? right? I'm tired. Um, I have anxiety. I, I don't want to do my schoolwork. Whatever it is, write it down. What challenges have you had so far today? Write them down. What emotions did these challenges bring up? What did you learn from these challenges? And what inspires you? Make a list of songs, books, activities. What inspires you? And what words do you need to hear right now? Write them down. So journaling, I put as the number one, chapter one in my book, because the it's a really one of the most important self-care tools. So if you start at least getting your thoughts and feelings down on paper, that's a good start to move forward and start 
implementing all the other self-care tools. Absolutely. And let's go to number two. I'm not going to bore my audience with my diatribe about how sleep is my religion because I already know. So number two, get good sleep. Now you wrote, according to Neurology Live, the shift in hormones during puberty actually makes you want to stay up later at night and sleep in longer in the morning. The problem, the skull bell doesn't wait for you to wake up naturally. So while you're falling asleep later, you're still getting up early, creating a sleep depth that's hard to repay. And that's what makes it so tricky right to try to tell young people to go to sleep early if their body's telling them something else but the problem is they have to be alert and it's really bad for your health not to get enough sleep so talk to us about this Oh, it's absolutely, it's so harmful, and I don't think people realize what actually happens to your body when you don't sleep. Unfortunately, schools do not, do they're not set up for our young people, and I think they, that should change. I agree. You know, uh, maybe start school at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Um, and I think our, our kids would be a lot more productive if we did change that. I don't remember ever jumping out of bed and being early for school. It was always a chore on a daily basis. But it's not just you know mentally and emotionally that we don't want to go. Our bodies are not wired to get up early as adults are. So that's something that I think we should take a look at. But what people really don't understand is the physical effects from not sleeping. So let's say you miss a night's sleep. That's the time when you can't find your keys in the morning. You get in a fender bender. You forget you forget your homework. It's at home. And you're just kind of sleepwalking through your day. And it, you're setting yourself up for all kinds of different accidents and, and uh, forgetfulness. And crankiness. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And we know that we know from experience that when you haven't had a good night's sleep, your reaction is tenfold what it normally would be. You snap at people, you cry easily, and a lot a lot of that is because you didn't get a proper night's sleep. Again, your book takes action, which I love. It helps people take action. Uh, you create a sleep routine. So talk to us a little bit about that. What are some of the things that we need to do? Well, I think for young people especially, they don't think of, all right, I need to get my bedroom set up for a good night's sleep, right? They just keep going until they're exhausted and then hope they fall asleep. <laughs> right. So, and a big mistake is taking your phone into bed with you and staying on social media until you're ready to fall asleep. That's a big, that's got to stop. So set your room up to be relaxing and calming. Make sure that it's dark. Make sure you have clean sheets. Cut yourself off social media a couple hours before you need to be asleep. So if you're trying to be asleep by 11, 9 p.m., no more social media. Better yet, don't even take your phone or your laptop or your iPad into the bedroom. Make that a safe sanctuary that is designated just for sleep. And you'll be amazed at how much better you feel the next day. And I think parents need to get involved as well. And I think it's hard because you're like, well, my kid's 17. Am I really going to? Yeah, for me, yeah, it's about their health. You're going to say, listen, get off your phone a couple hours before bed. That's it. And I know that I'm probably going to get some pushback from some parents listening. I'll probably tweet me, are you crazy? But listen, I tell my daughter, get off your phone. Like, that's it. Or your iPad. Also, that is why in the subtitle of the book, instead of just saying real life self-care for young people, 
and everyone else, I'm speaking directly to the parents. You need to lead by example. If you're having cocktails and falling asleep at midnight on the couch and your kids come down in the morning and you're still there, you are not setting up a good self-care routine of sleep and you are not setting a good example. And that's true with every self-care tool I talk about in the book. Let's talk about get up and move. I love that you have a movement log. Tell us about that. Well, again, it's it's just to tell your child or, or a friend or somebody that you care about, you know, you've got to exercise, you've got to move. That doesn't that's they've heard that a million times. That that's not motivating. So here is a log for you to write down every day, what you do and what you don't do. And that, again, is a way to get them motivated and started. They can use an app. They can use the chart that I have in the book. But they need to comp- They have to have that sense of accomplishment. And to have that, they need to chart their progress. And they'll notice, like, hey, I started with a 10-minute hike. And it's been two months, and now I'm up to 45 minutes. So they can see their progress and their improvement. So it's important to get... our young adults to actually document what they're doing so they can see it. Now, in every chapter, you have what the science says. In this one, you have exercise is good for your brain. Exercise can improve your mental health. Exercise improves your physical health. Exercise helps you sleep. And exercise improves your self-esteem. Those are all so important. Well... What people really need to understand, and that's why I put the science behind every self-care tool, because it's not just me telling you to do it. This is what it does to your brain. This is what it does to your body. And some of it is shocking. And if I shock somebody into using that as a self-care tool, that's great. Whatever works. But I don't want it just to be my opinion. I wanted everything to be backed by science. But for exercise, what I think is so important to understand is that it changes your brain chemistry. You have a a feel-good chemical in your brain called endorphins. And when you move and when you exercise, they elevate. That's why whenever you exercise, you always come back and you say to yourself, I'm so glad I did that. I feel so much better. But there's a real reason. There's a chemical change going on in your brain. And I think it's important for people to know that. So they're motivated to get out and move because they're going to come back feeling like a whole different person. Yeah, it makes such a difference. Now, number four, embrace nature. Again, if you listen to the show, you know that I am all about the nature as well as sleep. And I love in embrace nature that you have get animals in your life. Don't you feel like now your main focus in life is not always everything about you? You've got something to care for, to take care of, to walk, which actually benefits you. But now your focus is, hey, I got to get home. I've got to take my dog for a walk. I got to feed the dog. And it you actually, when you're doing things for other people or animals, it actually raises the dopamine level in your brain and you feel better about yourself. So, you know, there's a brain change going on too when you have animals in your life. Yeah. And I wouldn't be out there when it's, you know, if it's 15 degrees or 20 degrees, I'm not going to go for a walk, but I put my coats on my dogs and, you know, we do a quick walk <laughs> or, you know, so it, it, it forces you to get out. 
Absolutely. I and even if you don't have a dog or a cat or an animal, you can you can go to an animal shelter, you can volunteer, you can ask friends if you can go for a walk when they walk their dog. But and it doesn't need to be a dog. You can go outside and listen to the breeze and get some sun and just focus on the birds and the noise that they're making. Yeah, I so love that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a dog or a cat. Yeah, that's true. And I also love you have develop an outdoor hobby. Well, as I said, you need fresh air, sunshine, and you need to be in touch with nature. It calms you. It, it helps to reduce anxiety. So whatever you can do outdoors, you're going to get double the benefits. Go for a hike. Um, if you like to ride bicycles, just go for a walk. Even if it's for 10 minutes, just get outside and embrace nature because, again, it will make you feel so much better. That is true. I also love you have how to get started. And I love this. While outside, observe your sensations. Excuse me. I'll read that again. While outside, observe your sensations. Acknowledge what you see, smell, feel, hear, and even taste. Tap into the physical world and your very being. Begin by inviting mindfulness. As you sit in nature, take three deep cleansing breaths. Let your thoughts go and breathe in the bounty of nature for as long as you can simply be present to whatever you notice. Then pick up your journal and describe your sensations. What you see what colors and light and you again it's it's giving somebody these things that you can immediately put into action and and i love that when i read a book and i can come away and actually do things and make my life better what a difference well and what what your listeners are figuring out right now as we move forward with these self-care tips look at how they are all intertwined right if you get it if you get a good night's sleep now you're going to feel like exercising now your brain chemistry is going to change for the better you're going to want to get outside and embrace nature and get some fresh air and be around the birds or or the animals outdoors so they all are intertwined and it, you'll want to write down your feelings and thoughts because now you're feeling more positive about life in general so they're all connected and they all need to be implemented and used together yeah and i do want to mention that in each chapter you do start with the young person and you share their experience i didn't share them because i want people to get the book (laughs) they can they can read them okay number five i thought this was brilliant cut down on sugar because it is so bad for us And I, okay, so I love dark chocolate. So I bought a bag of dark chocolate chips and I know myself, I'm not very good with self-control. So what I did was I took a, 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 you know, a couple servings, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, that's only 10 grams of sugar. Like they're very high, you know, dark chocolate. And then I told my husband to hide the bag and bring it to me the next day. Absolutely. If you have it in the house, if you have it in your pantry and you feel like you need a burst of energy, you're going to go for that. So I would suggest don't have it around at all. But like you said, it's hard to just cut yourself off cold turkey like that. So start cutting back. But the motivating factor to do that is to understand what sugar does to your body. And that's why I didn't write a whole big chapter about eat you know, the four food groups eat lots of green leafy vegetables and fruit. We all know that. But if you are doing that and you're eating and you're drinking eight Cokes a day, you are 
counteracting all of those good tips about the four food groups anyway. So let's keep it simple and basic and cut to the chase and start with something attainable, and that's cutting back or cutting out sugar. Well, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. What happens one hour after drinking a can of cola? Well, and and to compound that, a lot of times, and I see this every day, not only are you having that cola, but what are you eating with it? You know, a bag of chips, um, a burger, French fries, junk food. But if you know that one can of soda has 10 teaspoons, that's 39 grams of sugar, that's all the carbohydrates you need in one entire day. So now you don't need any carbohydrates. You've had that one can. But what happens is that you have a little dopamine rush uh, you, you, you start to feel good. You're getting that sugar high. And then an hour later, you have a sugar crash. And to get back up to where you wanted to be, what happens is that you have another can of soda. Now you've got 20 teaspoons, right? And same thing's going to happen. An hour later, you're going to crash again. I have clients that have up to eight sodas a day. That's 80 teaspoons of sugar. And it's not only just the crashing, but it's very addictive. And like you were saying, hey, for me, I need to just cut back and not have as much around or portion it out. I love that. That's a really good idea to get yourself to cut back because you know what's happened is you've created a sugar addiction. And it's too difficult to just stop cold turkey. But in addition to what it does to your body, you're going to go to the dentist and have cavities because all that sugar and bacteria in your mouth is really unhealthy and it can it will slowly decay your teeth. It's bad for your skin and I know a lot of young people are concerned about acne and they care about their complexion. Liver it's hard on the liver and kidneys and it can also give you heart disease. So it's a really scary thing. Not only is it addictive, but it is so harmful. To your body. Let's move on to manage your time, not just managing your time, but also making sure you're not putting too much on your plate. Is that something that you were talking about as well? Absolutely. Learn to say no. You can't do everything that you want to do and you are going to feel so much better. It's going to be so much healthier for your emotional health when you have a schedule that you can manage. Right. And talk right. to us about teens. Well, the hard thing for for young people is that they don't haven't learned to say no. So if their friends, their peers want to go and have coffee or go to a movie or get out and do something, they always say yes. And what they have to realize is they have to prioritize things. So if, if they're not getting enough sleep, if they're not getting their work done, if they're not performing well at their job, that has to be a priority. And then they can spend quality time with their friends and family. So it's all about prioritizing what's important to you. And again, sleep is probably the number one thing because if you haven't slept, you are not good company. You're not going to be able to get your work done and you're not going to p- perform well at your job. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love, too, what the science says. Time management makes your brain function more efficiently. Time management can reduce anxiety. That is for sure. And time management can improve your performance. You also talk about how to get started, managing your time. Let's go into managing your money. You write, budgeting is self-care. Expand on that for us. Well, when you don't have control of your finances, whether it's $50 or 500000 you are going to get anxious about that. So budgeting, as far as managing your finances, is number one. And first, and that's why I have a graph at the end of the chapter, here's how to get started. What are your fixed expenses? Meaning, what are the same bills that you have every month that you have to pay? Whether it's your rent or your utilities, or if you're living at home and you're paying your parents, whatever that might be, write down your fixed expenses, what you're making or what your allowance is, and then what you have left after that, you delegate to, I'm going to go to dinner once every two weeks with friends. I'm going to donate my whatever it is that's important you i'm going to go shopping but then if you go shopping you have to watch the emotional spending yes i had a big problem with that when i was younger yeah retail therapy right and you 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 find you find those sales and you can you can buy 10 times the number of items that you can you know that as opposed to my one thing that's not on sale so you have to start thinking about quality over quantity and that's hard to do when you're young. To me, it was the more stuff I can buy for cheap, the better. Right. <laughs> and and what, what you end up doing is giving a lot of that stuff away because in six months, it's junk, right? Yes. So that's another mindset that you need to work on developing. And you don't need to buy every time that you go out. Retail therapy can sometimes be about just looking to see what the latest fashion trends are. Yeah, no, I agree. And I didn't have any money in my 20s, so it was a disaster. Like, I don't even know how I ended up doing it. But you know what I did? I first, I discovered credit. And back then, I thought, that's free money. And I'll worry about paying the interest down the line, or I'll probably get a really good job later on, and I'll be able to pay it off. And then you get that second credit card. And so another thing about managing your finances is that you have to use credit smart. I mean, if you want to eventually buy a car or a house or whatever, you need good credit, and you need credit cards to do that and pay them off timely. But don't just use them as free cash. You have to you have to think about what is the interest on that card, and I was very irresponsible in my twenties with credit cards. Yeah, the twenties are tough. They were right? they were very tough for me, and I, I think again in in the climate that we're in and the way it's it's just a tough time. It's a tough time for young people, and so I think the the sooner they can get on the road to self care, the better. What advice do you have for uh, parents that have stubborn teens? <laughs> I'm sure there's many to get them to even read it. Well, I think it's all in the presentation. What a parent needs to say is, you know, I found this book and it's not condescending. It's it there's stories of real young people with all these issues and how a particular self-care tool worked for them. And then it's also there's a science behind it, so you know that it's backed and it's legitimate. And then there's also how to get started at the end. So maybe do it together as a project. Like the 
the parent reads it first. Right. Because again, the parent needs to lead by example. The teachers, I mean, everybody that has young people in their lives should read it first. And then whatever resonated with you, that's genuine, you can pass on to your your teen or your young adult and say, I didn't know this. I didn't know this about sugar, you know, and I need to stop drinking three glasses of wine a day. You need to stop drinking three sodas. Let's do this together and let's start charting, charting it and writing it down on the graph and see how we can do. So maybe make it a joint venture. But I think, I think, you know, like you said, you read it and certain things really resonated with you, like you, your dog and getting out in nature and the sugar, right? So if those two things resonated with you, every other parent out there is going to have their favorite self-care tools as well. I mean, honestly, the whole book resonated. It's incredible. And I told my daughter, we're going to read this together and she's open to it. She still struggles with journaling because she has some of her uh, dysgraphia, like her handwriting is tough. So I'm like, well, you can type like just whatever it is to get it out of you, right? You don't have to buy a beautiful journal and sit down at 6 a.m. every morning and write. You can you can use your phone. You can use your iPad. You can write on the back of a napkin. You can write in code. It doesn't <laughs> matter. There's no, there's no right way to do it. So whatever works for her. Okay. I think that's great. Christy, you're always such a wonderful guest. Tell us all the ways we learn about you and be you only better real life self-care for young adults and everyone else. The easiest way to find all my books, my story, all my information is on my website at thegriefgirl.com. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.